Good morning, everyone, and welcome to morning worship at Hillhead. And as always, a very warm welcome to members of our family and friends joining us from all across the country and around the world. As well as our minister, Katrina, today we'll hear the voices of Jeff, Hassan, Marit and Grace. And as we sing along with recordings of ourselves, we'll hear Paul on keyboard. Uh, in a minute or two, Bonnie and her family will be lighting a candle and we're all invited to light a candle of our own if we would like to do that. Then at 7pm this evening, we meet on Zoom for evening worship led by the Reverend Roger Sturrock. Uh, just note that our evening service today will be a service including communion, so remember to have something ready to eat and drink if you would like to take part in communion. And then two pieces of family news, and I'm sorry that they're both pieces of sad news that I need to bring you. The first is to say that we were very sad to hear that our former minister, the Reverend Bruce Keeble, died on Thursday of this week. Those of us who were here at Hillhead in the 1990s remember Bruce and his wife Mavis with great affection, and many more of us got to know him more recently as he joined us for worship on Zoom over uh, a few months earlier this year. Mavis says that Bruce loved being able to join us for worship and that it had meant a lot to him to be able to be part of this worshiping community again. If there's anyone who knows Mavis and would like to send a letter or a card to her, but you've lost their address, drop me an email and I'll send it to you. She would be happy to hear from you. And then secondly, this week, Asan received the tragic news that his cousin, her husband and their little boy had been killed in a gas explosion at their block of flats in Iran. The only member of the family who has survived is their 12-year-old daughter, who is still being treated in hospital for extensive burns. Her name is Setayesh, which means prayer or praying in Farsi. And we ask for your prayers for her and for her grandparents and for Esan and Anis at this desperately sad time. Next Sunday at 11am, Katrina will lead our morning worship and at 7pm, Rebecca Gubauer will lead evening worship. But now we go to Bonnie and her family to light our candle this morning. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of the Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ lights this day.
And now let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray together. God of hope, you have given us rainbows and stars, signs and symbol of both hope and promise. As we gather today to worship you, may we, with you, delight in the diversity of all creation and celebrate the uniqueness of others, each other and ourselves. May we praise you with thankful hearts and pray to you with earnest hearts. May we listen for your voice in scripture, in silence and in song, and respond with openness to your call upon our lives. May we become aware of your safe embrace, holding us close in our sorrow, bewilderment and loss. May we find rest and refreshment, inspiration and encouragement, that we might be filled anew with hope and strengthened for service. For we pray these things in the name of Christ, the bringer of hope. Amen. And we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. you are
Genesis 9, 8 to 17. God said to Noah and to his sons with him, as for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you. The birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you. As many as came out of the ark, I established my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth, God said. That is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Psalm 8. O Lord, a sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 1. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is a child who's been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. 
Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. So it's just a week since we met together and began a series of services on the theme of hope. And we listened to voices of wisdom, to Neil, to Lena and to Beth, who reminded us that hope shapes our attitudes and our actions. That hope is determined, resilient and positive, even when that endeavour seems futile or ridiculous. I think it's fair to say that this week, news locally, nationally, internationally, and indeed within our own community of faith has shocked and dismayed us. That wisdom is already being proved because already we feel the challenge and the cost of being people of hope, people who do hope. And into that context of suffering and loss, questioning and confusion, the choice of a somewhat cliched quotation from Oscar Wilde, when it rains, look for rainbows, when it's dark, look for stars, I suspect will stir a variety of responses and each of them is equally valid. If you find that quote irritating because it seems glib, trivial, that's absolutely fine. And if you find it comforting or helpful, if it says something to you that you need to hear, that's fine too. And if you're ambivalent and don't know what to do with it, that too is fine. Because like 
any of these so-called inspirational quotes that we can find easily enough online, who says it, when they say it, and in what context it is said, shape how it can be heard and received. Throughout all of human history, in times of struggle, disappointment, loss and grief, people have turned to poetry, to art, to music, to dance, to express their feelings, to seek solace and maybe encouragement. And for a lot of people, signs and symbols are a helpful shorthand for concepts and ideas that words are just not good enough to express. Maybe the concepts are too complicated or too slippery to come up with a neat definition. I think that is what the Oscar Wilde quote attempts to do. And I'm struck that it is natural phenomena to which he turns rainbows and stars. But for other people, it might be green shoots and buds. It might be birdsong. It might be flowing water that carry this sense of hope, of new or renewed life, of the possibility of a brighter time to come and already emerging. And so it does feel, even in the light of the week we have lived through, that rainbows and stars are symbols worth pondering for a little while today. And I'm going to start with the psalm. I imagine the psalmist as somebody a lot like us, who is sometimes really weighed down by worries and concerns. Somebody who's trying to make sense of a world in which so much happens that doesn't seem to make sense at all. Somebody who tries to hold together their faith and their daily life. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is it that evil seems to triumph? Where is my hope? And I imagine them going outside at night and looking up at the sky. And as their eyes adjust, first of all, they notice the familiar planets and constellations. There is Venus and there Mars, Orion and the Great Bear. But as they wait, as their eyes adjust and focus, there are even more stars, stars they don't recognise, stars for which they don't have names, and it just feels overwhelming. They feel utterly insignificant, adrift in perhaps a cold universe, a universe of countless stars, and they cry out to God, who am I? Who am I that you care for me? Maybe even, do you care for me? I wonder if some of us feel like that. If not today, then sometimes. 
just one more insignificant person in an immeasurable, cold, meaningless eternity. Because I know I feel like that sometimes. And if the psalmist had stopped there, we would have been left with no hope. But they don't. As is so often the case in the Psalms and in poetry and other writing of this kind, there is a little hinge word that changes the mood. And here it's just three letters in English. Yet. Yet, even though this is how it feels and those feelings are real and valid, yet it is possible that there is a God who has other ideas. God places hope in humans. God trusts people to fulfil the work that God began. These frail, fallible humans who don't understand, who don't always get it right. It is to people like us that the earth and everything in it is entrusted. I like to imagine that the psalmist maybe looks again at those stars with perhaps some new insight. And perhaps that despair is at least diminished or disrupted for a time. When it's dark, look for stars and be reminded that just as God knows and names every single star, so too God knows and names every human and indeed every creature Today, be reminded that God knows you and God names you. And then I want to move on to the story of the Magi. We've just come past Epiphany, when we could have focused particularly on these men, we believe they were men, who came from the East quite probably from Persia, though we have no way of knowing for certain. We don't know how many of them there were. We don't know their names. They are a bit like those unnumbered stars. But they spotted a star, or maybe it was a planetary conjunction similar to one that we were able to see just a few weeks ago. And it prompted them to go on a journey to try and make out what this was all about. Often we think of them as three kings, but I think that's probably just more um, a nice way of us in the West making nice songs and happy stories about it. They were certainly astronomers. They were quite probably astrologers. But this story seems to illustrate so well that Lithuanian proverb that Lena shared with us last week, that hope is the mother of fools. Because... They saw this star and they headed off to find out what it was all about. Intelligent people, wealthy people, maybe that wealth enabled them to do what others might not be able to do. But they embarked on this fool's errand to go and see what it was. 
theologians and scientists and historians will debate for the whole of time just what this story is about. What happened? How many of them were there? What did they see? Where did they go? Where did they come from? But at its heart is something about hope. They looked at the sky and they saw something that sparked new hope in them. And so they headed off to see what that looked like. There's another quote um, that I don't know the source of, and I, I'd forgotten about it until recently when I was preparing for one of the Advent services. And it says this, a candle at midnight is a non-conformist. It says to the darkness, I beg to differ. Or as the gospel writer would have put it, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not understood or overwhelmed it. I find myself wondering, is there something that might be a little bit like that star for us in the here and now? What might be our hope that's like that candle at midnight defying the darkness, defying that sense of helplessness that says to a world in turmoil, we beg to differ. I wonder what are the new stars, the good news stories that we can discover if, as Neil suggested last week, we do that courageous thing and look through the bars of the prison of despair and try to see the stars that lie beyond. So much for stars, what about the rainbow? I guess the rainbow is probably one of the best known symbols of hope in many cultures. The culmination of the flood story shared by all of the Abrahamic faiths. It seals God's covenant with the earth and it gives hope. Even when storms seem overwhelming, it reminds us that the earth will not be destroyed. But here's the thing, when we read it closely, the rainbow is not there for us. I always tend to think it is, but it isn't says quite clearly, and as I heard it read again this morning, I think it says it three times. God puts that rainbow there as a reminder to God. God too needs to be reminded of hope. Is that heresy? Well, yeah, maybe it is, but you know, you know me by now, I'm a happy heretic. But that's what the scripture says. When I see that rainbow, I will be reminded of my promises. I will be reminded of the hope. Scripture certainly tells us that God promises to forget sin. God says, I will remove it as far as from the east is from the west. I will remember it no more. So deliberate forgetfulness is certainly part of God's character. Maybe, and I think I hate see echoes of this as I read through the scriptures, God like us gets weary of a world where things seem to go wrong. And so God needs to be reminded, not because God has forgotten, 
but because God shares our despair and our concern and God in love chooses to allow us to make choices that's what free will is about this God who doesn't just step in every time bad things happen and magically makes them right the God who shares the questions the God who shares the sleepless nights the God who shares the anxiety One of the things that really struck me about rainbows is they're not like the stars. Stars are there all the time, whether you can see them or not. But rainbows are fleeting. And whilst Oscar Wilde tells us to look for rainbows when it's raining, they, they aren't always there to be found. They have a habit, at least for me, of catching me out. A couple of weeks ago, I was walking along Dumbarton Road and it was just drizzly. It wasn't full on rain. And I noticed somebody had stopped um, where the building site is at the university and, and they were looking and they were taking a photo. So I stopped and glanced around and there was the most beautiful rainbow. And I think that's something about rainbows is that they come when we don't expect them. And if they're reminders to God, then surely they are reminders to us of the God who is there in the storm who is there in the struggle, who was there on that aeroplane and in that block of flats and in the COVID ward, the God of hope, the God of a future. Sometimes words fail us. Sometimes the best thoughts and the most carefully prepared sermons fall short. Sometimes we need poetry and art and beauty to glimpse God. Whatever form symbols are that work for you to remind you of God's hope, as we journey on, I pray that you will find encouragement that God suffers with us and God journeys with us and God will bring us through. Amen.
So it's just a week since we met together and began a series of services on the theme of hope. And we listened to voices of wisdom, to Neil, to Lena and to Beth, who reminded us that hope shapes our attitudes and our actions. That hope is determined, resilient and positive, even when that endeavour seems futile or ridiculous. I think it's fair to say that this week, news locally, nationally, internationally, and indeed within our own community of faith has shocked and dismayed us. That wisdom is already being proved because already we feel the challenge and the cost of being people of hope, people who do hope. And into that context of suffering and loss, questioning and confusion, the choice of a somewhat cliched quotation from Oscar Wilde, when it rains, look for rainbows, when it's dark, look for stars, I suspect will stir a variety of responses and each of them is equally valid. If you find that quote irritating because it seems glib, trivial, that's absolutely fine. And if you find it comforting or helpful, if it says something to you that you need to hear, that's fine too. And if you're ambivalent and don't know what to do with it, that too is fine. Because like any of these so-called inspirational quotes that we can find easily enough online, who says it, when they say it, and in what context it is said, shape how it can be heard and received. Throughout all of human history, in times of struggle, disappointment, loss and grief, people have turned to poetry, to art, to music, to dance, to express their feelings, to seek solace and maybe encouragement. And for a lot of people, signs and symbols are a helpful shorthand for concepts and ideas that words are just not good enough to express. Maybe the concepts are too complicated or too slippery to come up with a neat definition. I think that is what the Oscar Wilde quote attempts to do. And I'm struck that it is natural phenomena to which he turns rainbows and stars. But for other people, it might be green shoots and buds. It might be birdsong. It might be flowing water that carry this sense of hope, of new or renewed life, of the possibility of a brighter time to come and already emerging. And so it does feel, even in the light of the week we have lived through, that rainbows and stars are symbols worth pondering, 
for a little while today. And I'm going to start with the psalm. I imagine the psalmist as somebody a lot like us, who is sometimes really weighed down by worries and concerns. Somebody who's trying to make sense of a world in which so much happens that doesn't seem to make sense at all. Somebody who tries to hold together their faith and their daily life. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is it that evil seems to triumph? Where is my hope? And I imagine them going outside at night and looking up at the sky. And as their eyes adjust, first of all, they notice the familiar planets and constellations. There is Venus and there Mars. Orion and the Great Bear. But as they wait, as their eyes adjust and focus, there are even more stars. Stars they don't recognise, stars for which they don't have names, and it just feels overwhelming. They feel utterly insignificant, adrift in perhaps a cold universe a universe of countless stars, and they cry out to God, who am I? Who am I that you care for me? Maybe even, do you care for me? I wonder if some of us feel like that. If not today, then sometimes. Just one more insignificant person in an immeasurable, cold, meaningless eternity. Because I know I feel like that sometimes. And if the psalmist had stopped there, we would have been left with no hope. But they don't. As is so often the case in the psalms and in poetry and other writing of this kind, there is a little hinge word that changes the mood. And here it's just three letters in English, yet. Yet, even though this is how it feels and those feelings are real and valid, yet it is possible that there is a God who has other ideas. God places hope in humans. God trusts people to fulfil the work that God began. These frail, fallible humans who don't understand, who don't always get it right, it is to people like us that the earth and everything in it is entrusted. I like to imagine that the psalmist maybe looks again at those stars with perhaps some new insight. And perhaps that despair is at least diminished or disrupted for a time. When it's dark, look for stars. 
and be reminded that just as God knows and names every single star, so too God knows and names every human and indeed every creature. Today, be reminded that God knows you and God names you. And then I want to move on to the story of the Magi. We've just come past Epiphany, when we could have focused particularly on these men, we believe they were men, who came from the east, quite probably from Persia, though we have no way of knowing for certain. We don't know how many of them there were. We don't know their names. They are a bit like those unnumbered stars. But they spotted a star. Or maybe it was a planetary conjunction similar to one that we were able to see just a few weeks ago. And it prompted them to go on a journey. To try and make out what this was all about. Often we think of them as three kings, but. I think that's probably just more um, a nice way of us in the West making nice songs and happy stories about it. They were certainly astronomers. They were quite probably astrologers. But this story seems to illustrate so well that Lithuanian proverb that Lena shared with us last week. That hope is a mother of fools. Because they saw this star and they headed off to find out what it was all about. Intelligent people, wealthy people, and maybe that wealth enabled them to do what others might not be able to do. But they embarked on this fool's errand to go and see what it was. Theologians and scientists and historians will debate for the whole of time just what this story is about. What happened? How many of them were there? What did they see? Where did they go? Where did they come from? But at its heart is something about hope. They looked at the sky and they saw something that sparked new hope in them. And so they headed off to see what that looked like. There's another quote um, that I don't know the source of, and I, I'd forgotten about it until recently when I was preparing for one of the Advent services. And it says this, a candle at midnight is a nonconformist. It says to the darkness, I beg to differ. Or as the gospel writer would have put it, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not understood or overwhelmed it. I find myself wondering is there something that might be a little bit like that star for us in the here and now? What might be our hope that's like that candle at midnight defying the darkness, defying that sense of helplessness that says to a world in turmoil, we beg to differ? I wonder what are the new stars, the good news stories that we can discover if, as Neil suggested last week, we do that courageous thing 
and look through the bars of the prison of despair and try to see the stars that lie beyond. So much for stars, what about the rainbow? I guess the rainbow is probably one of the best known symbols of hope in many cultures. The culmination of the flood story shared by all of the Abrahamic faiths, it seals God's covenant with the earth and it gives hope. Even when storms seem overwhelming, it reminds us that the earth will not be destroyed. But here's the thing, when we read it closely, the rainbow is not there for us. I always tend to think it is, but it isn't. It says quite clearly, and as I heard it read again this morning, I think it says it three times. God puts that rainbow there as a reminder to God. God too needs to be reminded of hope. Is that heresy? Well, yeah, maybe it is, but you know, you know me by now, I'm a happy heretic. But that's what the scripture says. When I see that rainbow, I will be reminded of my promises. I will be reminded of the hope. Scripture certainly tells us that God promises to forget sin. God says, I will remove it as far as from the east is from the west I will remember it no more so deliberate forgetfulness is certainly part of God's character maybe and I think I see echoes of this as I read through the scriptures God like us gets weary of a world where things seem to go wrong and so God needs to be reminded not because God has forgotten but because God shares our despair and our concern and God, in love, chooses to allow us to make choices. That's what free will is about. This God who doesn't just step in every time bad things happen and magically makes them right. The God who shares the questions. The God who shares the sleepless nights. The God who shares the anxiety. One of the things that really struck me about rainbows is they're not like the stars. Stars are there all the time, whether you can see them or not. But rainbows are fleeting. And whilst Oscar Wilde tells us to look for rainbows when it's raining, they, they aren't always there to be found. They have a habit, at least for me, of catching me out. A couple of weeks ago, I was walking along Dumbarton Road and it was just drizzly. It wasn't full on rain. And I noticed somebody had stopped um, where the building site is at the university and, and they were looking and they were taking a photo. So I stopped and glanced around and there was the most beautiful rainbow. And I think that's something about rainbows is that they come when we don't expect them. And if they're reminders to God, then surely they are reminders to us of the God who is there in the storm who is there in the struggle, who was there on that aeroplane and in that block of flats and in the COVID ward, the God of hope, the God of a future. Sometimes words fail us. Sometimes 
the best thoughts and the most carefully prepared sermons fall short. Sometimes we need poetry and art and beauty to glimpse God. Whatever form symbols are that work for you to remind you of God's hope, as we journey on, I pray that you will find encouragement that God suffers with us and God journeys with us and God will bring us through. Amen. who set the rainbow in the sky as a reminder to yourself and to us of your eternal covenant. Be with us this day and in the days ahead as we choose to be people of hope, inspired by your spirit's wisdom. And may Christ, our brother, friend and saviour, walk with us every step of the way today and every day. Amen. Amen.